This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. Got the full crew with you this week. David, Brady, and Jordan with me on the call today. We got a big one for you. First up, we got a uh, ULM recap. Georgia State uh, took care of business, so we got you uh, got you on the recap there. Following up, we have a App State preview, Georgia State's next opponent in football, and then uh, wrapping it up with some preseason Sunbelt All Conference teams and some general basketball news. So, without further ado, let's get into the ULM recap. Um, do we want to go through and just kind of re just do a bullet point recap of uh, the game's events? Yeah, so here's how the game went down. Uh, Notably, Cornelius McCoy, wide receiver for Georgia State, came back after missing three games due to injury. And right off the bat, Quad hit his man for a 57-yard pass on the first play from scrimmage. And then the offense was off to the races, 7-0 after the first opening drive. Back-to-back turnovers gave Georgia State the ball in plus territory. And they struck quickly, and it was 21-0, 10 minutes in. And then at halftime, it was 42-14 at the break. Never got closer than 18 after that. And after a less than notable second half, game finishes 52-34. to Quad Brown ended up being named Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week. He was 20 for 32 on the day, 241 yards and four total touchdowns. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Cornelius McCoy back from injury with seven catches, 118 yards and two TDs of his own. Really feels like after that first play of the game, like you knew this is going to be a get right game for Georgia state. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Um, I, I say fun, but it was really nice to see that they came back this week after, you know, not looking so hot against coastal Carolina and they, you know, they put a good game together. You know, you saw that connection between quad and McCoy early on. And, you know, it seemed like he was just going to feed him in the first half. And that's honestly what he did really. Um, but it was really nice to see quad kind of, settle down and, you know, get himself going, you know, it was also nice to see that the offense as a whole just looked better. You know, we could talk about the inferior defensive opponent, but ultimately it was about Georgia state and how they played. And I know Brady mentioned that last week, you know, the team that played coastal wasn't going to beat ULM regardless of who they were. Um, But Georgia state played Georgia state football on Saturday. They definitely looked good. You know, the offensive line was back to being good. The running backs had over 250 yards on the day. So it was a good day for Georgia state as a whole. I do want to take a second and just say that hearing us talk about how this was a bounce back game for Georgia state. And, you know, after admittedly like pretty bad loss (laughs) um, that I've just been thinking about, how the quote unquote old Georgia state or, you know, the, the Georgia state, you know, let's say before we turn this, the, the team turned this corner. Uh, I feel like the old Georgia state would not come out looking as good as they did against ULM following a 52 to nothing loss. Am I alone in that? Or I, I no. mean, really feel like this is a, a, a concrete kind of step forward in kind of the maturity of the program to kind of have the culture established that, okay, we took it on the chin last week. We're going to let, you know, let, we're going to learn what we can and not spend too much time dwelling on it. And let's go out and make the next game, you know, that much better because of it. And it just feels like, you know, maybe a Georgia state team five or six years ago, not necessarily naming any specific team or players or coaches or anything like that, but just the culture wise would be a lot uh, more susceptible to kind of, um, I don't know, just, 
like being in a funk about it and coming out flat against the next team. And then suddenly you're down two touchdowns in the first quarter and it spirals out from there. So just saying that I'm glad that didn't happen and it shows that the kind of overall state of the team and the culture is progressing in a way that's uh, setting them up for success. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of maturity that this team has come into in the past couple of years. And even like looking at it now with Quad Brown as a redshirt freshman quarterback, he's playing really well outside of a couple of missteps in the previous game and normal things you'd expect from a freshman QB. He's been, I dare say, approaching a level where I would be willing to put him in a conversation next year and the year beyond of being among the best QBs we've had. Yeah, so... I was in attendance at this game up in the box and even in pregame, you could tell there was a lot of energy, which to coach Elliott's credit, that's kind of a given a lot of times. Uh, there usually is a lot of energy. The guys, it isn't for lack of energy when there's struggles uh, usually, but it seemed notable when they followed up by jumping out to the three score lead early on. And at that point, the game wasn't really in doubt. My thing that I mentioned last week was just don't let the team that's never won a game this year or never had a lead in a game this year get comfortable, and they never did. It was a three-score game. It was a 42-14 game at the half, and it never got closer than 18 after that. Um, so you did what you had to do. I don't think that while the offensive performance is very is great and while there were some issues with the defense – at times in the second half, I think largely just due to complacency. I don't think we were ever going to learn a lot about how the rest of the season was going to go from this game. It was basically a, you should win this game and you should look good doing it, but that doesn't mean problems we might've seen in previous games were, have just gone away. Uh, App State's going to present a lot of problems for Georgia State this weekend. And it also doesn't mean that, I guess it, what it means is that it is true that that coastal performance wasn't the sum of this Georgia state team's parts. And it was good to see that on the field, but it still was a game where we admitted that this should just be a win. You got to get it in the win column and then move on. And that's what happened. I think there's something definitely to be said about the confidence boost that this game provides. Um, you know, I think in the Troy game, quad didn't really play that well in the second quarter, you know, and then obviously he fixed it. And then last week didn't play well for the entire game, but nobody on Georgia state did, you know? And so I think you're right. I, does this necessarily tell us anything about this team? Probably not. You know, they, you know, they did the things that they've done throughout the season. Well, you know, they ran the ball. Well, you know, I think, the defense kind of slipped a little bit there and some people who are a little bit more critical of the defense than we are, I think we'll probably want to say, Hey, this bad offense just scored 34 points on you. What gives? Um, but I mean, I, I still think that it was a performance for the entire team where they just, you know, kind of had somebody come in and they just clean their clock and, you know, who knows what that sort of confidence can do to a team going forward. I'd also say, we mentioned it a couple of times. Cornelius McCoy was back from injury. And I, I mean, it's possible this is something he'd been dealing with because he looked as good as he has all year and quad looked as comfortable with him all year. And uh, as he had all year, and that's a different dimension to the offense, even just past the run game, getting back on track that it was obvious from the first couple games of the year that 
quad had a good connection with Sam Pinckney, but if he's got that rapport going and both Pinckney and McCoy are out there providing what they provide in the passing game, that's going to add just another layer to the offense. Um, I I will not give the, the 34 points in the performance, a total pass. I mean, it was bad. You can't get beat by a flea flicker like that um, to give up a, the second touchdown that ULM scored. And just in general, when I, I mean, the, the backup quarterback for them did not look like the backup. He had a good day and he looked comfortable. And I guess maybe questions as to why he was the backup. And I'm assuming he will not stay the backup in the rest of their games, but backup quarterback coming in and tossing it for 339 yards isn't good. And I just think that the thing that coach Elliott keeps going back to is playing a complete game. And this was your best chance to really do that. And the points don't really matter because it was out of hand and it never got closer than 18 and you scored 52 and it wasn't a situation like the Arkansas state game where you're scoring 52 wasn't enough. It was more than enough, but at the end of the day, you can't really do that. You you can't give up 34 to a team that come in averaging 13. So I, I think it just goes back to needing to put together that four quarters. And if the team can do that in any of these games left, that'll be a, a, a win for the team. I mean, that goes, that's every team, you know, every team aspires to play four good quarters, but it's really something that Georgia state could stand to do because we've now seen against ECU and ULM two incredible first halves and then sort of letdowns in both those games. So you want to get that worked out. The rest of the year might not be teams where you're going to be up 28 at the half, but there's going to be a game this year where that first half performance comes out again. And whether you're leading or whether it's tied, whatever, maybe this Saturday against App State, you're going to need to bring that same intensity in the second half. And th- that would be what I would be looking for. Just real quick, did they ever say what happened to Suits, or did they just straight pull him after the first series? He came back and threw the pick to Brequise Brown, uh, so he played again. I don't know why after Hunt led them on touchdown drives, uh, they brought in Suits again, but he came back in, promptly threw a pick, and I think Matt Viator was like, yeah, okay, we're going to stick with Jeremy Hunt. See, that's where I was confused because at first they pulled him abruptly and it seemed like it was an injury. And then when he came back out there, he seemed fine. So I didn't know if it was a situation like the Troy game from a couple weeks back. I, I will say that after saying all of that about the defense, six sacks, which is the second most in program history behind the 2017 game at ULM, uh, I guess it getting ULM in the conference slate. Um, and then the three turnovers which were consequential, all of them, all led to touchdowns. Um, and that's part of what put the game out of doubt was the defense in the first half. Uh, there were problems in the second half more so, but the defense was good enough in the first half and uh, opportunistic enough in the first half that it didn't matter as much in the final result. It's just more what you're going for on a consistency basis. But I, I will also just say that it was a really good pass rush and they're going to need that energy the rest of the year. It's, Georgia State's the top team in forcing turnovers in the Sun Belt right now and up there in the sack total. That part of the game for the defense, which has been lacking in years past, has definitely been there in good wins and bad, no question. You know, before we get into App State preview, I think that point 
about the turnover margin. Like that's important. Like this is clearly a defense that is capable of getting turnovers. And, you know, it begs the question, why have they at times this season not been able to come up with one? And yet at other times, you know, against good teams, have they been able to, you know, secure the ball? Yeah. And I guess short of anything else, I'm fine to move on to app state. Uh, But I would say that that is also going to be paramount for this game. Not only not turning it over, which the one turnover was unfortunate from Greg. It didn't end up costing the team, um, but got to play a clean game and got to keep that sack and turnover energy. If the if the backfield is constantly, you know, if, if no one is getting into the backfield on Saturday and if no one is coming up with a big play to force a turnover, it might be a long day. But with that said. Yeah, so moving on to a little bit of an App State preview. So since the last time the Panthers and the Mountaineers met, uh, of course, the previous coach, uh, Drinkowitz, went to Mizzou and was replaced by Sean Clark, who coached the bowl game for the Mountaineers last year. And he is now 6-1 and one as head coach of App State. App State, of course, still the team to beat in the Sun Belt until somebody knocks them off. As far as we're concerned, they are 5-1. and one. 3-0 in the Sun Belt this year. Offensive players of note for the Mountaineers, quarterback Zach Thomas, of course, running back Daytrick Harrington, and then running back Marcus Williams Jr., wide receiver Thomas Hennigan, and also wide receiver Malik Williams. Defensive players of note, cornerback Sean Jolly, who is an NFL prospect for the Mountaineers. Cornerback Shamar Jean Charles with 12 passes defended. Free safety Ryan Huff with three interceptions. Linebacker Brendan Harrington also with three interceptions. Linebacker DeMarco Jackson, two interceptions, and linebacker Trey Cobb with seven tackles for loss. So that was a lot of names, but it's a lot of names because App is a good team and they've got a lot of playmakers, both sides of the ball. We probably didn't go into enough of this is how good Coastal is when we were doing that preview, although we definitely mentioned the good players for them, but we should do that here. That again, another really good team. And it's a road game this time, which adds another part to the equation that makes it tougher. It's a road game up the mountains to Boone. It's a team that Georgia State has never beaten. Most of the games haven't been particularly close. So everything's against the wall, which is just to say, cut it loose. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean... (laughs) At some point in the two teams' history, Georgia State will play a football game against App State and be the team with the higher point total at the end of the game. And, you know, I think we said it last year, but obviously Dan was hurt. And, you know, we've said it in some of the other years with this program, like they've had talent enough to beat app state. They absolutely have. They just haven't gotten it done. And I hope that this is the year that they finally can do it. Um, I, you know, we, as you said, those are a lot of names. Um, I think App State has an incredible secondary. You know, Sean Jolly is a pretty easily the best cornerback in the Sun Belt, you know, and he is very good. So teams try to avoid him, but then you have to worry about basically everybody else for the Mountaineers. You know, obviously that's not an easy task. You know, it's definitely going to be important 
important for Quad to find Jolly and Bro smartly in the opposite direction. Um, but I also think it's going to be about Georgia State just playing their brand of football and trying to control the tempo. You know, App State is a team that likes to run the ball as well. And if Georgia State plays defensively like they did against Coastal, then App State will be able to run all over them. But if they bring that normally good defensive presence against the run, you know, it might actually be a long day for the Mountaineers. So, yeah, I, I coach Elliot mentioned this being a point that he was looking for improvement after the alum game. And that's the inside run game for Georgia state. And that's going to be just a very important thing to get going early. He was saying that the inside run game, the blocking wasn't there early and they had to go to some perimeter perimeter games and rely on the perimeter blocking to get the run game going. And eventually the run game got going fine for Georgia state and ended up being a good day. As David said, over 250 rushing yards, but they're not going to have the luxury of a quarter to find it on the, in the inside run game. They've got to be able to get that going early. It's the base of what they do on offense and they can't have you two yards loss of one and then backed up in third and long against this app state team all day and expect to have a lot of success. And so that's the one thing on offense, I'd say Um, the seeing quad have a good game and he was really had time and was going through his reads. He was really patient. He was going to second looks. He was finding the open guy. And that was an encouraging thing above everything else to see after what had been uh, his worst game as a starter against Coastal. And definitely you want him to keep building on that, but for the time management reasons David mentioned and just keeping App's offense off the field and forgetting the flow on offense, for, for every reason, the run game and specifically getting the base inside run game going is going to be really important for the Georgia State offense. So this is a good chance to work in a question we had this week uh, from Carlos who wants to know against app this week. Do you think it's more important to stop their pass or their run? My answer is the same as what I was just saying about Georgia state. Um, obviously app state will look at the film and look at the numbers and everything and see that Georgia state's had a little bit more of a tough time defending the pass this year. Uh, the, the pass numbers allowed are pretty gaudy in a very bad way. Currently, it is at 348 yards allowed per game over through the air. Not good, Jim. That's not good. But (laughs) App State is the number one rushing team in the Sun Belt. They're at about 283 yards a game, six yards a carry. And that is their bread and butter. That is what they do. They don't care who you are. They're going to run the ball. They're not going to disguise it. It's not going to be with a bunch of motion. It's just kind of power run game, zone blocking. And so I don't think that they're going to totally change their identity just because Georgia State has put up decent numbers against the run. So I think that far and away, you've got to get their ground game ground to a halt. Uh, Because if you're making them pass out of long down the distances, you have a better shot than if they're getting the second and three and second and two and third and four, and then they're able to use play action off of the run. And if they're comfortable getting a rhythm going with the run game. So that's my answer. Got to stop the ground game. Zach Thomas is a perfectly capable quarterback. And that's not to say that 
he doesn't have reliable weapons to go to. And that's not to say that Georgia state should just say, well, they're just going to run it all day um, because the play action game is important and are still going to take some shots downfield. But I just think if you can't stop their run game, it really doesn't matter how the secondary performs against the pass. And, you know, mind you, that's not an easy task. Like this is a Mountaineers team that in every game, but the Marshall game for just six yards a carry, you know, like that is unequivocally their bread and butter. But also in that Marshall game, you did see a team that was kind of able to beat them at their own game and force them into making mistakes to kind of neutralize the effect of their running game. Um, Obviously, you know, we could talk about some COVID cancellations and, you know, player health and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately it is probably going to come down to Georgia, Georgia state's ability to stop the Mountaineers running. Um, Because if they can't run, then a lot of their passing offense is rendered um, a little bit ineffective. Um, Obviously they're still a good team, so they'll still be able to move the ball a little bit, but you know, you obviously want to try to minimize the damage that they do on the ground. I mean, facing the music as it were, uh, as we are recording, I believe the line is up over 17 right now in favor of app, which is about where the line was for Georgia state as favorites over ULM. So that gives you an idea of people's expectations of this game. And given how app's been, uh, I don't think it's totally unfounded. App's a good team. They're playing at home. Uh, Georgia state last time they played a good team got beat 51, nothing. So I, I think that obviously I'm not saying that what I described is easy or that it's the expected outcome. I think the way Georgia state wins this game is like I was talking earlier, clean game. You force a couple mistakes, the ground game, even if app state is an effective defense and you're not doing what you did against ULM, the ground game for Georgia state is still able to move the ball, keep the clock rolling and, I, I think that the best shot is if it's a game where neither team touches 30, which is weird to say, cause we know how good the, the offense is, but unlike earlier when I was talking about the coastal game where they didn't really want to shoot out, I think that it's a different scenario, especially because turns out I was wrong on that, that coastal was perfectly fine to be in a shootout and score a bunch of points. Um, but I just think that they've got to wipe that coastal game from the memory and just go out there the different game play clean, see what happens. I think as, as long as you keep it close, you're in it. The, the problem is it getting away from you early, like the coastal game did, but that's where I'm at. Even if ab state blows them up, I'm honestly curious to see just how the defense looks because You know, maybe it was just that game, but it seemed like Coastal just had their way with, you know, certain guys on defense that normally, regardless of outcome, have been good. You know, I saw a couple of plays in the second half of that game where Ant Lane just decided that he wasn't going to be the hit stick and wanted to just try to arm bar tackle people. And that's not how you tackle in college football or any level of football really so you know if you avoid those types of mistakes and those types of occurrences i'm sure georgia state could be in this game and you know could make it close i truthfully believe that if they come out like they did against ulm again ulm is not app state as far as talent on the field but if they hit a fast start going even if they aren't up three scores if they're just in the game at that point versus being taken out of it so early like you were against Coastal. 
I mean, that's the step. And that's the first step. And getting in the backfield, whether that's to get tackles for losses on run plays or whether that's getting at the quarterback, if it's a pass play, just you got to be disruptive. And the offensive line recovered after what was a troublesome performance against Coastal, but this is another really good front that they're going to have to face and they're going to have to bring their A game as well. But these are the games you play. Uh, These are the games you've got to win. Uh, Georgia State at this point, if they finish the last games with a winning record, if they go two and one or better, they have a winning record for the year. If they don't, they don't. And in a year where everything is weird and the prizes are sort of made up and all that goes with that, the first hurdle to clear is just getting the back-to-back winning record. And so this is a step towards that, though this is unarguably the toughest task left on Georgia State's schedule. Shifting gears to some GSU basketball news, uh, the Sun Belt released their preseason team lists uh, as of recording today, uh, featuring a few Georgia State names. Uh, first of all, on the all Sun Belt preseason first team, guard Kane Williams. And joining him on the preseason second team is uh, guard Justin Roberts. So congratulations to them. Glad that uh, folks out there outside the GSU sphere recognizing um, you know the talent on this team. And you know we've we've talked about this. We see this all the time. But it's always good to see it recognized uh, outside of our own kind of sphere of influence. Um, we're going to have a uh, kind of a mini preview of the season um, coming soon. And then uh, the coaches poll as well will be coming out the day of the release of this episode after the recording of this episode. So we'll have that available um, uh, on our website, uh, social media and stuff uh, retweeted and uh, made available for you guys to see. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Um, and some other basketball adjacent news. I'm going to kick it over to Jordan for a facilities update. So Georgia State today, as of recording this podcast, did put out a press release stating that the groundbreaking ceremony for the new Georgia State Convocation Center is going to be next Tuesday, November 17th at 10 a.m. And if you're not previously aware, that's the replacement for the sports arena. It's going to seat 7,300 for basketball, 7,500 for commencement, and up to 8,000 for concerts, approximately 120,000 square feet with all sorts of other facilities for both basketball teams and as well as university functions and all that jazz. It's going to be located just north of the Blue Lot near uh, Center Park Stadium across from the, uh, I believe there's a Ramada Hotel nearby that's also going to be getting some updates and refreshments, joining the whole Summerhill revitalization area. That's going to be a very, very fun part of campus to see develop over the next couple of years. And uh, I believe this is still on track to be opening for the 2022 to 2023 basketball season. So we will see how this develops. We'll of course keep you as informed as we possibly can and any sort of developments with that facility and other stuff coming online as well. We'll ask for a shovel too, to be a part of the photo op. I think we'll be told <laughs> no, but we'll ask. Who Pro- says no? Probably. <laughs> Please stop asking us. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fifth time you've asked us for a shovel. This is so specific. Why? Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, One more thing to keep on the radar uh, in the coming days, uh, be on the lookout for another fireside chat um, hosted and recorded and posted for you guys, uh, courtesy of uh, Brady and David. 
Uh, so be on the lookout for that of another kind of a state of the union type fireside chat coming from those guys. Um, and stay safe. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.